This is really about you being a partner to the advisor, going in and working with them, with the client. I got into the CFO level, the DuPont company, which was way above my level. I brought a guy in and we got a chance to write this case until I learned a very valuable lesson. I didn't bring somebody in big enough, basically. And that was the killer. And I've always told people, you know, work with someone who can help you in that case. If you can do it without me, fine, go ahead and do it. But if you're gonna lose it, if you chance to lose it, that's silly. Welcome to the Next Level Advisor podcast. Today, Jason Borick sits down with Paul Pillion, a veteran in the executive benefits arena, to discuss how forming and leveraging solid relationships with your business owner clients is the key to effective planning. Paul, let me just start by welcoming you to this conversation. I, I got to tell you, and welcoming you really to our family here at the Pinnacle Group. We, we couldn't be more thrilled with the build out of this partnership. And really, number one, culturally, the fit that there is between our organization. And number two, you know, the incredible expertise, I think, that you're going to be able to bring and deliver to our advisor base. So, you know, I'm just incredibly thrilled to, to have the opportunity just to, uh, to glean a little wisdom from you today, to, he to hear a little bit about... Uh, about who you are. So I just want to say, you know, thank you and, and welcome to the conversation today. Thank you very much. It's fun to be here. I mean, it's uh, you're taking the old guy and teaching him new tricks, which is kind of fun. We tend to have a lot of fun with that going across these conversations with a lot of our partners. And one of the things I like to do, Paul, before we get started, because it, it always creates some interest, right? Number one, I, I think part of what in what really kind of interested you in the initial discussions when we met with you and you met with Ed and I, and we talked about what this partnership could potentially look like, you know, you often say, you, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. And so the things that might interest some other people about building a partnership, the chasing of money and revenue, and that's really not what was most important in the discussion was kind of the cultural alignment. And part of that culture for us, obviously, is being in a position where uh, people get to know who we are. That's really, really important to all of us. And I think it's been really kind of well received by our distribution that the folks that partner with us, they know who we are, all of us from Jim, myself, Ed, the teams, the advanced markets folks, the partners. And so part of that discussion is we're going to try something new here and going forward on the podcast, which is we're going to ask you to identify two truths and a lie about yourself. And we're not going to, we're not going to determine what they are now at the end of the discussion, we will, but I think it'd be really interesting if you maybe just give folks a little bit of your background and about kind of, uh, you know, your pathway uh, in the business. And then at the end of that, give them two truths and a lie about, about yourself. And we're going to try to determine, or at least, you know, capture the imaginations of the listeners here to figure out which is the untruth uh, out of the information you give us. I started in the business right out of the military in October of 1969. So I've been doing this for a long, long time. I was with Lincoln National as an agent for two years in Philadelphia. I became a sales manager for Lincoln for two years in Philadelphia. After that, I became an assistant general agent for two years with Lincoln National in Philadelphia. I moved to Washington, D.C. in 1975 and took over superintendent of agencies for Lincoln National for 19 offices in 13 states. I did that through January of 1980. And when I got married, December 29th of 79, moved to Philadelphia January 1st of 1980 and changed jobs January 1st of 1980. So in three days, I got married for the first and only time, switched jobs and switched cities. And back then, they had those things in airports. If you added those all up, you'd have been dead of a heart attack. So I took over as an assistant, a co-general agent in Philadelphia with Lincoln National. Did that in 1981, 
We won the President's Trophy as the number one office in the country. In 1982, we were second. 1983, we were second. 1983, we got bought out. That's a long story. It would take a lot longer than we have here. Left them and started a company called the America Group. We had an RIA. We had a property and casualty firm. We had a pension service company. We had an employee benefits company. We had a company helping dentists and doctors buy and sell practices. And we had the insurance operation. I did that till 92. I told people it was fun, but it was seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I had four children. I was coaching sports. It just got too time consuming. So I sold those divisions to joint venture partners, opened up the Eastern region for Pacific Life in 92 and was with Pacific Life from 92 up until five years ago when I retired from actively with Pacific Life and then took on this role where basically, even though I'm doing similar things, I'm doing it with several companies, not just PacLife. And then as recently as about a month ago, I affiliated with this unique group down in Florida called the Pinnacle Group, which is like another adventure in my little 50 year run. So that's kind of my brief background, my brief history. And, and look, Paul, when you, when you look at all of those things, that's to me, I, I just want you to know kind of what that means for somebody like me that is we're here and we're trying to build something. We're trying to do something unique. You mentioned so many different things that you've done throughout your career. And that piece of it is from my perspective, just so important. I, I just can't wait, you know, as we dig deeper and deeper into our partnership to learn more about that and to learn more from you and, and to glean some wisdom from that short little stint that you mentioned there for 50 years that you've been doing this. So really excited about it. So Paul, so with that background, now, let, I'm going to give you an opportunity to let the people know who you are a little bit. And what, what I want you to do is, I, this is a little interesting uh, discussion. We're going to ask you to say three things about yourself. Two of them are true and one of them is a lie. And we'll let that set, once you uh, say those three things, we'll let that set through the conversation here. And at the end of the discussion, we'll identify to the listeners what the lie, what the lie of the three things is. So, so give us three things about yourself, Paul. I'm not, I'm not going to make them insurance related at all, if that's okay. No, that's what, yeah, I'd rather it that way. Okay, yes. good. But let's do it this way. Since a lot of people will be listening to this recording at different times, but for those, last Monday was Memorial Day. And it's interesting that I spent three years traveling around the world with Uncle Sam. So I was thinking about that because a lot of my OCS, infantry OCS class at Benning does reunions all the time. They're the only ones who do reunions. So I've been getting a lot of emails this week. So it took me back. So Let's do this one. Let's say number one, in 1969, I killed a wild pig about 2,000 yards out with a machine gun. In 1969, I took down a very, very large tree while skidding, driving an M60 tank. And also, I flew helicopters all over Germany for two years. So I, t I made a complete military if that's okay with you, but I already I did it. it. So, I so love we'll move it. On. We'll move on from there. Now you got to transition back to the insurance. We business. will get, yeah, no, no, we will get back to that. And, uh, and I, you know, I love that. And I, you know, I always, always am quick to say, God bless you for your service and time. And I love to, I love to dig into that stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, let's, let's get into okay. one of the things is we look to develop discussions. We are in a incredibly unique environment. You mentioned it early on when we first connected, you said, look, you're going to teach the old guy new tricks. I know we've done this a, you know, multiple times we've done some events and you've done some speaking engagements on this virtual platform. And we're, we're really sitting in a, in a very a different kind of a world right now for a lot of people. And one of the things that we've been trying to discuss and engage is really this business planning marketplace, specifically, you know, our partnership with you over the years, and, and maybe you can touch on this a little bit is, is kind of your background in the executive benefit space and what led us to, because 
what led us to a place where we said, okay, you know, we really want to hand the keys of that planning segment of our advanced markets over to you, Paul, and you're going to be driving that for the Pinnacle Group across our, our, our distribution nationally. But, um, you know, in this environment has certainly created some interesting discussions and and we've been back and forth with some other strategic partners around ideas strategies and things and you know but but with regard to the executive benefits market the executive benefits space where do you see when this whole craziness is over when all of this ends what do you think that space what's that market going to look like with regard to executive benefits planning it's an interesting i think i told you before i think i get asked that all the time people say paul you've been around a long time what's it like and i kid them i said even though I'm old guys, I wasn't here for the Spanish flu influenza and I wasn't here for the Great Depression. So this is a new one for me also. So like anybody, nobody knows for sure, but I'm smart enough to realize that businesses, especially certain businesses are going to get a head start and get going fast again. And one thing I've learned a long time ago, almost every business has one, two, three or more key individuals. And I think now, some of these businesses are even going to be more concerned about keeping these key people with them. And so I, I think it's going to be active. If I could actually reference a case that finished today, I don't know if it's a good time to do that or not. Let's talk yeah, about Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Basically, we finalized a case this morning that I've worked on for almost six months. Startup drug company, great success story for this woman, but four key individuals, three of them in their 30s, that big drug companies would love to have. We know that, she knows that. And so we just finalized a performance unit plan. I got the final approval from Pacific Life today, this morning actually, from yesterday. So what she's doing there is putting a plan together that these people are gonna get in 10 years, anywhere from $200,000 a year, a year, so that's 2 million over 10 years, to lower amounts depending on where they are in the range. Because she knows within 10 years, she's probably gonna go public or sell the company and she wants them there. So this is somebody who sees her revenue has dropped by 50% because of this, but is looking ahead and saying, I know it's gonna be back because of her marketplace. So I think there's gonna be a lot of places. I have another one I'm working on right now. They wanna wait to meet me until this is over. But this gentleman travels 50% of the year all over the world. He's got three people that keep the company running and he told the producer, I can't lose these guys because that'll mean I'll have to come back and go to work full time. So mm -hmm. the direct answer question, I think the market's still going to be there. There's going to be certain industries that are going to do better than others, obviously. I wouldn't want to be doing executive income in the restaurant arena right now, probably. However, someone said to me, but if I've got the top chef and I want to make it go, I don't want that chef to leave. So I think I don't know what it's going to be like. It's going to be different. But I, I relate things to card playing. Um, I'm kind of an avid, bri avid bridge player. And basically bridge is fun for me because every hand is different. And I've learned over 50 years, every business is different. Every person is different in that business. So I think our job continually is to find those individuals and help them identify those people that are there and make them realize what they have to do to keep them. Yeah, Paul, th this is like, this is a really interesting concept because, you know, I think about our company and our business and the things that we've been blessed through this process. You know, we have a ton of gratitude for the incredible people that make up our organization. And, and what happens in this environment is that you do, you know, your, your comments around really recognizing the value of the people that are working within your organization. 
the truth is, especially for those businesses that are successful in this environment, there's no question that you spend a lot of time realizing the value of those individuals and looking at the, because, you know, we, we've been in a growing environment as an organization and we've been, you know, it's because of conversations like this. It's because of uh, partnerships like, like ours where we're taking your expertise to transcend this over to uh, the financial advisor. But the truth is, I mean, I'm just thinking about my own business when you say that. And I think about our own business and the valuable people that make up our company and how in this environment, really the thought about that has elevated in my mind. And I'm sure if you ask Jim, if you ask Jim Ludwig, who's our CEO, the same question, he would say, he would say the same thing. As we sit back and try to run the business in, in a kind of a weird, unprecedented time where everything's virtual and we don't know what the future is going to hold, you know, the value of of the top people in the organization becomes more and more evident. I think that's a really wise thought process. And again, I think for advisors out there that are listening to this, what they'll think about is that this is a conversation that most of these business owners, at least that are successful in this environment, they're going to be more willing to have the conversation today than maybe they were in the past because they're all thinking about it. I mean, at least we are. And I, I, all I can do is think about myself and then say, okay, how does that equate to other businesses? But I can tell you, there's a level of gratitude and a level, a level of understanding of the value of the people that make up our firm. And that's a very interesting segue into this discussion. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. So let me, let me transition here because this is where maybe some of the advisors will start to think about maybe existing opportunities and start thinking about relationships. But when you look at the executive benefits arena, some of these conversations that you're having with, with uh, clients, what would you say, who are the best prospects for these types of cases? You know, it's, it's a great question. I get asked all the time. I said, there's no clear definition. Number one, I tell people, you need to have a relationship with the top guy. People have tried for years to get me in through the human resources and everything else. And I tell them it doesn't work. First of all, I've got to come in from the guy, the ultimate guy who can sign the check, who can say yes, number one. So you have to have a relationship. It's not a cold calling type affair. I have found myself anyway. Maybe some people are better at it. I made a living cold calling for a long time. So it's a business that is on its way up. It, not on the way down. A business that e either making money or going, figures they're going to be making money if certain things happen. Other than that, it's almost open season, I think, to somebody. I mean, it's like, again, like I say, the bridge analogy, no two hands are the same, no two companies are the same. I'll talk to any business owner who's smart enough to realize. I'll give you an example of one, I found out, and we'll talk about how to approach the business owners in a second, I think, I found out this guy, 50% of his revenue was coming from one salesman. And he didn't really realize it. I mean, he did, but he never thought about it. So, I mean, I just said to him, what if he leaves? And so sometimes what I'm gonna to try to emphasize to the advisors, I'm gonna give them some questions that has worked for, worked for me for 30 some years just to get the business owner focused. But to direct answer your question, any business I think that is on its way up doing well or expects to, to do well. We'll talk about this if you do it in the right way. The other key point that I heard from you is that you have to have the relationship with the person that can make a decision. Yeah. That's, that's really, really key. This is not something where you're, you're going to start blanketing people with letters where you don't even have a relationship with the business to come in and do executive benefits planning. It doesn't work. My closing ratio is very, very high, not because I'm any good, but because I'm being brought in by the person that has the relationship. Yeah. The relationship is everybody listening knows that's the important thing. Once they have the relationship, my job's easy. I know how to sell this. I know how to package this. I know how to get them thinking about this. As long as you have the relationship, my job is to help. 
Yeah. And that's, see, this is the other part. So, you know, what I want everybody to understand is that our industry and, you know, Paul, certainly you can speak to this because you've been doing this a long time. I always talk about the insurance industry as being very, very good at making nice, shiny brochures, right? And then handing them to a guy and patting him on the back and saying, go get him tiger. And that strategy, especially for the marketplace that we're serving, you know, the, the next level advisor, the people that are listening to this conversation, these are folks that are, their primary means of revenue is, is not from a sale of insurance. It's people that have the relationships like you just mentioned, but they've never engaged in this discussion. And so we can give them materials, brochures, we can give them kind of a list of questions. But at the end of the day, if we do not identify a partner to engage this discussion, to implement, to take the strategy and implement, that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest gap that the industry has to fill. And so that's what I want the advisor to understand that that's the role that you, that you play here. So this isn't about us educating an advisor, although you could, and hopefully an advisor gets in, you know, works with you, Paul, and does a few cases and learns it themselves and can go do it themselves. Great, home run, wonderful. But I want everybody to understand this is really about you being a partner to the advisor, going in and working with them with the client because that's because I can tell you we can everybody can look at and say oh yeah I have an opportunity I have this relationship I have that relationship and we can drop a nice brochure on their desk and they'll look at that brochure and then we'll never pick up the phone to call them without having somebody like you to go in and have the conversation with them I agree yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's a again every person listening to this is going to be different we're all different we all have different skills and all different but again if you've never been in the arena I've I've learned um, a quick sideline, if I just thought of this, a du the DuPont company. I got into the CFO level of the DuPont company many years ago, which was way above my level. But I got it. I brought a guy in from Louisiana who was working with the company I was working with. It was supposed to be this good. And we got a chance to write this case until I learned a very valuable lesson. The CFO turned to this guy after he did a beautiful presentation. He said, have you basically done any cases with public companies? The guy said, yes, he named a few. Then the CFO said, no, no, big public companies. And that was the killer. And it was interesting. I always remember that. And I didn't bring somebody in big enough, basically. So I would tell people, if I have situations, if the guy's too big, we'll find somebody for them. So I learned a lesson. I learned a very valuable lesson. And I've always told people, you know, work with someone who can help you in that case. If you get to the point, I tell producers, if you can do it without me, fine, go ahead and do it. But if you're going to lose it, if you chance to lose it, that's silly. That's right. silly. So make, make educated, intelligent decisions based on the knowledge you have. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, so now let's, let's transition here into if, if I'm an advisor and I have that relationship that you, that you speak of with the business owner, right? How, how do you suggest I approach that business owner about this subject? How do I approach them? Well, I mean, it's funny. In this new world, I'm not sure. Let's say in the past, anything that's been close to me geographically, I've suggested to them, take me out on the interview. Now that, again, you've got people all over the country, so that's not, that's not realistic. Maybe, maybe Zoom calls will be it. I always tell people, in my opinion, the sale is made in the first interview. That's my feeling. The sale made or lost in the first interview. So, Basically, I try to get the producers to take me. I've done a lot of joint work in my life. Most of the cases I've written have been brought in by other producers. You know, they brought me in and I've worked with them. So again, that suggests. Now, do you want me to transition? Or if they want to do it themselves, here's what I suggest them doing. 
the, I call this the $64,000 question. I get with a business owner. I'll make the social amenities. I'm kind of funny. When I go into a business office, if I don't know the guy, I shake his hand. I, I ignore him. I walk around his office. This is a true story. I walk around his office, ignoring him. You get funny reactions, but I've done this for so long. I'm looking at his pictures, looking at his plaques, and people say, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to find out if we have anything in common at all. And it's, I tell people, I'm a sailor. I played golf. I coached baseball, soccer, and baseball and basketball. I had a daughter playing Division I sports. I was in the military. There's got to be something we have in common. And I usually get chuckles in that, but that's what I've done. So once I've broken the ice, I'll, this is basically what I say. And this is what I tell producers. If you learn nothing from me, learn this. Mr. Business Owner, is there any person in this firm other than you that if they left for any reason tomorrow would cause you financial difficulty? And then I shut up. Is there any person at this firm other than you that if they left tomorrow for any reason could cause you financial difficulty? I've been using that for over 30 years. I've had some phenomenal responses. And normally I learned in the life insurance business never to ask a question where somebody can give a yes or no answer because you don't want a no answer. This is the one time an exception to that rule because think about this for a second. They simply stated he's going to say yes or no. Now, it's never quite that simple. But if he says yes, then I'm going to go off on my tangent, which we'll talk about in a second. Mm -hmm. But if he says no, then I'm going to say no problem. We're just going to concentrate totally on you and nobody else. There is no bad answer to that question. I can do pension plans. I can do business continuation plans. I can do estate planning just on him. But so there's, it's a question that I've asked. It works well for me. I'm comfortable with it. And it's logical. So that's the first thing that I say to people to do. And I would, I would assume, Paul, based on the business, that, that the majority of the responses you get are, are yes, right? And Yes related, yes. The majority are yes. But there, I have some guys, some crusty old guys looking right in the eye and they say no. And I'm fine. I don't care. I mean, yeah. I prefer yes, but, but no is not a bad answer. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, and you reference, and I've heard you reference this in the past, right? The, there's four things that can happen. And so from, from that discussion, so I, first of all, you know, that, that is a very simple pointed conversation. This is a conversation really that what I found is a lot of the advisors that work with business owners, Paul, they, they do, they have a deep personal relationship with, with these clients. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of a phone call picking up and how are you doing? What's happening in this environment? You could literally, I, wa I want to make it clear that this is a question that doesn't need to be asked where we set up a formal appointment to go in and ask that. This is a question that an advisor can ask or we can have in discussion on the phone as you check in. And I mean, you know, I'm sure that the good advisors, the, the advisors that are, you know, sticking with their clients, especially in this environment, have been on the phone talking to them, their, their key clients sure. uh, on a consistent basis. And they want to know how things are going in this environment. So it's a perfect time to, uh, you know, to bridge into that discussion at some point. And that's a great point. I'm used to doing it in person, obviously, because I've done it that long. But now you can do it on a Zoom call, as you said, just a regular phone call. It's an easy question. It's a logical question. And the answers are usually interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about those four things that you identify that can happen, Paul. What okay. are the four so let's things? Transition. So if he says yes, then of course we start talking about who those people are. I get as much information. Somebody said to me, do you have a fact finder? I'm kind of old school. I have a yellow pad. I take with me. I take notes. This is the way I work. But I'm going to start obviously the dialogue who we're talking about. We get into it. So once we've identified a couple of people, here's what I'm going to say to them. Okay. Let's think about what can happen to those individuals while they're with this company. They could live to retirement age. Now, again, I can, 
I could expand on these. I'm going to shorten it up. That discussion can be a lot. I'm going to find out what kind of retirement plan he has. If he just has a 401k, I'm going to say, hey, we know that's not going to be enough for the top earners. It doesn't work. If you just have a 401k and a profit sharing, it probably isn't going to be enough. So I'm going to plant that seed. Some of them are going to become disabled. And everybody says to me, well, you know, we have long-term disability. And I always say, well, yeah, but that's 60% of pay, typically or 66%. So I'll look people in the eye and I said, does that mean you're saving 40% of your pay right now? Because that's what you're telling me you're going to be living on. Plus, nobody's going to be putting in your money retirement plan. So it's a great transition there, too. I'm, I'm consensus in this because it can take a long time. Some people actually die. And I, I joke about this at times. I said, I've studied the actual tables. I can't tell you which ones, but I can tell you statistically, they're all going to go at some point in time. And I plant that seed because when we get down to implementing the plan, I want to make sure life insurance is first and foremost in his mind. So I'm going to say, we want to make sure if something happens to that person, we want his or her family to be taken care of. But at the same time, we want this business. That's a key person. We're going to have to replace that key person, that person's revenue. So we need revenue coming in. So I'm planting the seed for that. And the last thing that can happen is the person could leave the firm. They could re retire. They could quit. They could become, they could just, you could fire them for cause. The firm could go under in any way you could separate from the firm. And that's basically all that can happen. Live to retirement age, die early, become disabled or quit. So what I say to the business owner, what my job is simply stated is this. You tell me what you would like to have happen when one or more of those things takes place. And our job collectively is put that together for you in terms of an agreement and terms of a funding source. And that's what we do. That's such a, Paul, I got to say, that's such a clean, smooth process of conversation. And that's what I, I hopefully, that's what's being gathered by this discussion is so number one, this is, I always talk about this as being a show me business, right? And so the show me business, meaning that, you know, we, we want to deliver the resources to the advisors that, that we have access to that, that are part of our distribution and our partners. We want to deliver this resource in a way where like maybe it's three or four business owners where they go with you initially, they bring you in on a zoom call. They take you initially to walk through this discussion. And then after the third case gets rolling, all of a sudden, you know, at that point, after you've been through this process, you've seen these questions asked, you've seen some of the responses, you know, that's, I, I go back to my beginnings in the business at New York Life. That's kind of the way that most people get engaged in this business. You go out with someone, like you mentioned earlier on in your career, but then the idea is once you've seen it one, two, three, four times, you start to get comfortable with it. It becomes a part of, of, of who you are and the planning and the discussion because you've already been down the, the road. So that's really kind of what I wanted to set the stage with. And obviously, you know, we're going to be doing a lot of work together, Paul. We're gonna, there's going to be, you know, a lot of uh, a deep dives into this, this type of planning, these types of strategies. There's, I know uh, maybe one of these discussions would be interesting to do if, if I brought you and Randy O'Brien, bring both of you to a discussion like this and we can get a little bit more technical. You know, anyway, I, I just want to tell you that, uh, number one, I, I appreciate more than I can say, I appreciate the partnership with you. Excited about what it's going to mean for our distribution. And, you know, hopefully people can take from this discussion some very high level, but very clean and easy ways to get involved in some of these discussions. And also they walk away, hopefully people walk away from this with the confidence that, look, I have a partner that can engage with me into this planning strategy, can create significant opportunities for my clients and also additional revenue for me and my business. So, Paul, listen, I appreciate all of those things and appreciate all of the discussion, but what I want to do now is we're going to, as we wrap up, we're going to transition. I'm going to go back because I'm hoping you, you, now I missed the third one. 
what we see, all of them were 1969. One was a pig uh, that was shot with a machine gun. One was uh, a tank running over a, a tree. What was the third one? Flying helicopters all over Germany. Flying helicopters all over Germany. So what I'd like to know is all three of these things that happened in 1969, we killed a pig with a machine gun. We drove a tank and took a tree out of the ground and we flew all over Germany in helicopters. Which one is the lie, Paul? Well, you know, it's funny. In a way, one's an exaggeration. The, hel the helicopter is the exaggeration part, quite honestly. It's <laughs> the Vietnam pilots, when they came back over to Germany, wanted to fly me all over the place because they needed their flight time. So in these two-seat bubble, they taught me how to take, how to, when it was up in the air, how to make it go forward. I wouldn't land or take off. So I, I learned how to do it that way. So that's kind of an exaggeration. The wild pig is a wild story. Sometime I'll tell you, we're not going to do it now. That's a great story. And the tree is, yes, the, the tank skidded. They're 52 tons. And that tree did not have a chance. I went sideways and the tree just went down. So. Oh, I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, listen, Paul, I can't thank you enough for your time today. This, is, uh, this has been great. been a lot of fun. I look forward to doing a lot more of these in the future. I look forward to you know, continuing to develop and build our relationships. So thank you so much for your time, Paul. And we'll see everybody next time.